Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Sherlock's Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Welcome to this week's In Conversation podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. Today I'm joined by Natasha Sedaris. Natasha is the founder and CEO of Tasha's Group, a casual dining concept that started life in South Africa in 2005, but has since expanded into the UAE, where Natasha now lives. A passionate businesswoman and third generation hospitality entrepreneur. She joins me today to talk about where it all started, what comes next, and the lessons she's learned along the way. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, I feel like I should preface this by saying this came about because Georgie, our founder, was out in Dubai, came to one of your restaurants. Bangalore 34. Bangalore 34. And basically came back. Just like raving in a way I've never heard Thank her rave you. about anyone before. Thank you. Just saying what a fabulous concept it was, how incredible, I mean, every part of it, the design, Thank the food, you. and how impressed she was by you. So It was very nice to meet her. Here we are. I'm glad she enjoyed her evening. Uh, we should also say you are soon to open a restaurant in Battersea Power Station. We are soon to open a restaurant in Battersea Power Station. The nerves are at an all-time high. <laughs> when I'm super nervous, even though we've got 35 restaurants. I mean, everyone is nerve-wracking. This one is especially nerve-wracking. Why is that? I think the UK is a, a very competitive market. And in addition to that, I think there are massive barriers to entry. Mm-hmm. When we moved out of South Africa to open our first international restaurant, we were looking at the UK and I got scared. I'm still a bit frightened. Mm-hmm. I think the major staff issues, rentals are high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're lucky with food. I think you guys have got amazing produce, so that's not an issue. But mainly the issues around labor costs mm-hmm. and, and the rentals being as high as they are. And, and it's very competitive. This is a foodie capital. So I am nervous. doesn't matter that I've opened 40. I'm, I'm still very nervous. I mean, opening on Tuesday. So. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's literally a su- very imminent. Exactly. Okay. Why did you, despite those factors, yeah. why have you still decided to open? So we've been in Dubai for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have cut our teeth in Dubai. We really have been able to export the business out of South Africa into an international uh, platform. Dubai is also super competitive. Mm-hmm. And we have got, I think, uh, 14 restaurants in the Middle East. I think we have got a little bit of confidence now to say, okay, let's try and tackle London. Mm. No major plans. Initially, we started looking at a couple of sites and I just told the guys, enough. Stop looking at more locations. Let's open the first one. Mm. Give great service, good food, build a stunning interior. Let's get the ambience right. Make sure people love the product. If it works, and please God it does, then we'll start looking at other locations. So we're going to take it nice and slow. Okay. Yeah, okay. no grand plans. Just <laughs> okay, so dipping your toe in. I want to know more about London, but let's yeah. let's go back several steps. Sure. Um, can you tell us a bit about your story? Why hospitality and kind mm. of how you started? So initially I didn't want to get involved in hospitality. My dad was a restaurateur and a chef and I had watched him working long, hard hours and we'd hardly see each other. I mean, those days restaurants used to close on a Monday. That, that was the day we'd see my dad and we'd do a back-to-back movies in the afternoon. So I said, I'm definitely not going to do get involved in the hospitality business. And I studied psychology. And my dad was opening a restaurant called Fishmonger. And he said, come and do a couple of shifts. Should have known then not to have agreed. <laughs> Needed some extra cash as a student. And went and helped. And 
I think hospitality is something that when it gets under your blood, I've been fortunate enough to work in very busy restaurants my whole life and uh, it was a super successful restaurant and I think the adrenaline of working in that type of environment, I love people. It's the reason I went to study psychology as well. So the combination of the people, a love of food, I'm, I'm Greek, so born in South Africa but Greek, so both grandparents, big foodies, you know, around food all the time, cooking amazing food. Then I just think the high energy of the place and, and being able to connect with humans on, on a daily basis in a very real way from a customer point of view and a staff point of view. Mm -hmm. The story goes, university during the day, apron in the back of the car, drive to the restaurant, put the apron on and work. And that's, that's, that's how I started in the, in the food business. Opened a couple of fishmongers with my father. Then I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's really tough. Took a small break. And continued the journey, and I opened my first Tashers 18 years ago. So it's a well-established business, 18 years old. And I feel like we've just started. Do you really? Well, especially with the opening in Battersea. Mm. You know, the, as I said, the nerves are at an all-time high. Mm. Everything feels brand new. Who are the suppliers? Where are we going to get stuff mm. from? The challenges around the staff are massive. Mm -hmm. So it feels like just starting the journey mm. again. So you, what, the bug was kind of, the bug was there and you just felt... Once you get involved in mm. the food industry and you fall in love with it, mm. it is almost impossible to get out of it. So that's a word of caution for anyone out there <laughs> who wants to dip their toe in. Just be careful because it gets under your skin and that's it, you're hooked. And is, and is it the people? Is it just the people that keeps you in? Listen, or what I, is it? I've got a love of interiors as well. Mm -hmm. And I suppose if I wasn't in the food industry, uh, my second job would have been interior design or architecture. I've always loved it. My mm -hmm. mom was extremely creative in that way. Being in hospitality at my level, you get to do, well, I get to do all of the things that I love. So I'm very involved with the interiors. I'm extremely involved with the food. So nothing goes onto the menu unless I've worked with it or with the chefs, tasted it. You know, we really work the menus together. And then I get to work with people and serve customers. Mm. You know, I'm lucky. I get to do what I love. It's the holy trinity. It is the passions. holy trinity. Yeah. Um, so you opened your first Tashes. So I opened my first Tash was 18 years ago. And what was what was the ethos behind that? So in South Africa, there was a whole lot of mass restaurants. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about big franchises mm -hmm. and, and mass type of food. And then themed restaurants, so one or two very high-end Italian, a Portuguese restaurant, an Asian restaurant. And there was really nothing in between 18 years ago in South Africa. And I had done a trip to Australia and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and open a cafe-style restaurant that is uber stylish, but it's accessible. And I think that's a key with Tasha's. It is an accessible brand. You still feel like you, it's a little bit indulgent and you feel do feel special, but it is really accessible. It's uh, exclusive, but it doesn't exclude. And that's how Tasha's came about. And I didn't want to call it Tasha's in case it didn't work or in case I wanted to get out. <laughs> and we, I think I, I asked the ladies who do our branding, who are actually my best friends, AM Branding, to come up with names. And I think they must have come up with like 40 names. And they kept saying, this is not it. You're going to call it Tasha's. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> so we landed on the name Tasha's, opened, and again, very blessed, super busy from day one. Mm. And in fact, I was going to go back and study further because I did my BA in psychology and I thought, well, I'll open this cafe and I'll go back and study further. But it was so busy from day one that that, that idea went out the window. Started opening a few more. And I'll give you the short version. Went into partnership with a big corporate a public listed company a very unlikely partnership mm -hmm. because they are all about mass brands and big footprint brands. was a little bit of swimming upstream. I was in partnership with them for 12 years, but I am very passionate about what I do. They wanted me to open 50. And I said, guys, this is not that type of brand. I don't want to scale in that mm. way. I want to keep it 
boutique. I want it to be small. I want it to be manageable. I said, we're going to open maximum 20. We've landed on 17. And then during COVID, I bought my business back, which I would say is my most proud moment. That. Wow, good for you. I did. I bought the entire business back. So my brother and I own the business ourselves. Uh, we have we have a, another partner who's a mentor and has a small share in the business who, who's helped us grow it. Since the divorce, and I mustn't call it a divorce, mm -hmm. but since we bought Famous Brands mm -hmm. out, we've been able to create a number of brands. So we've got Flamingo Room. We've got Galaxy Bar, which is in world's top 50. We ranked number 45. We've just opened a new bar called Perlage. We've got Bungalow 34, African Lounge. We, ha we have a number of concepts. And I think being within the confines of a very corporate business who's got a narrow mindset around food and is a, mainly about large footprints and big scaling you are unable to realize your creative vision. So yep. I very, count myself very blessed to have been able to buy them out. Yeah, that's incredible. So you established yourself in South Africa. Yeah. What drew you to the Middle East? So I'd been approached to open in a couple of places, United States, the UK, Australia. Mm. Approached by who? Who, uh, who? Lots of people. So whoever had come to visit South Africa, mm. I said, well, we love your brand. We want to take it to Oz. People who we want to franchise it. They wanted to franchise right. it. Because I'm a control freak, mm. Australia, definitely not. It's on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I joke, I hope I'm not going to offend you on Australian town, but I say it's not even on planet Earth. It's <laughs> just so far. Somewhere else. So far away. The United States also far away. You can't just jump on a plane and deal with an sure. issue. The UK I was petrified of. I'm so intrigued, sorry, that you're more scared of the UK than of than America. Dubai. No, than of America. Well, yeah, Dubai. Well, America because it was just too far sure. away. So it eliminated. But, so the, the two choices were, do we go into the UK or mm. do we go to Dubai? Dubai... Mm. Eight-hour flight away. A similar, and people get surprised when I say this, but quite a similar culture to South Africa because mm. it's a driving culture. It's a mall culture. Yeah, I get that. It's, it's quite quite different. Very easy to do business. No shortage of staff. No yeah. restrictions on who can work for you and who can't work for you. I was able to bring, which I think the biggest threat to to a company's growth is, is culture and training. I was able to bring over 30 South Africans. It's amazing. For my first store in Dubai. I wouldn't really have been able to do that in in the UK. So it made more sense mm -hmm. to to open in Dubai as the first one. And the, and that's when the, the journey began. So that's, we've been in Dubai for 10 years. And you expanded because you just had an appetite for more? Like what, why I'm a sucker why for more? punishment. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it is a question that I ask myself sometimes and I'm very stressed. I think there's two things. I am extremely ambitious and highly competitive and I always have been. I used to swim for my province mm -hmm. and I was I'm, I'm, I'm a head girl at my school and mm -hmm. extremely academic. So I think on a personal level, it's the ambition and the drive. I want mm -hmm. to push myself to see what else I can do. Mm -hmm. Now it's because I think we've opened 10 different brands and we have scaled to the extent that we have. Now it's more about what can I do for the people who have supported me along the way? Mm -hmm. How can I give back to the people who've helped me grow this business mm -hmm. and leave a legacy behind? Mm -hmm. And that's really what the focus is now is scaling and then to be able to share what we've built. So the first restaurant in Dubai was? First restaurant in Dubai was Atasha's and that's always the first market entry. Got it. Makes sense. Always go with Atasha's. Okay. That opened 10 years ago and then we opened Flamingo Room I think five years in. Mm -hmm. And since then we've opened all of the other brands. Mm -hmm. We've most recently opened in Saudi, a Flamingo Room. Mm -hmm. A huge Flamingo collection in mm -hmm. Abu Dhabi which is a retail store called Collective Africa mm -hmm. and the new bar. Or Perlage. Okay. I mean, I can't believe that I'm sitting in London and we opened it a week ago, which just shows how the team has grown. Although I'm still micromanaging them, as you saw <laughs> when I walked in. Are you able to let go? Are you able as you grow to well, not not no. one bit? No. 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 It's your baby. I mean, I mean, I say that. That's not fair. I, I have let go to an extent. Had I not, I would have 
staggered the openings more. So we've had one opening literally on top of another. Sure. So in that regard, I have let go. Mm. But I'm on top of the micro detail every day. I think I drive my team totally insane. <laughs> Listen, at some point it's going to get to a, I mean, I, and I think it's, I think the book's called Blitzscaling, where the founders of um, Airbnb talk about doing what they do until they couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm at that phase where I'm going to be at every opening for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to taste every dish for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's going to get to a point where I might not be able to be at an opening. I might have to trust someone else to open the restaurant mm -hmm. without me. But until that time, I'm yeah, to bike them. You're still there. I've got another question just on the Middle East mm. and any cultural differences in opening up there. Obviously, it has its own culture. You mentioned before yeah. that there were kind of some similarities between the Middle East and South Africa. Exactly. You can kind of see, see the mm -hmm. similarities. But were there any things you didn't know before that you had to navigate in opening in an entirely different place? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that goes into a situation without overthinking it too much. It was the same when people asked me about being a woman in a male-led industry. Mm. I've tried not to think about that yeah. too much because then it gets in the way. It was the same with Dubai. We tried not to overthink what the culture differences were going to be because we tweaked the menu slightly as we've done here. But no, I think Dubai has welcomed us with open arms. It's my home away from home. Um, we are well loved by expats and, and locals. And I would say the only big difference, of course, in the cafes is that we don't serve liquor in all the concept stores we do. Um, but other than that, no. Mm. Not at all. Mm -mm. Um, talk to me about, you know, you mentioned that in part of the original concept of the first hashes was mm -hmm. always about it looking beautiful. It, yes. You know, it, the aesthetics were so important. Very important. You know, if people are listening and they haven't seen yeah. your restaurants, what is what is your style? What How do you approach the interiors? Okay. Because they are, they are pretty unique. Thank you. They? So... For Tasha specifically, we wanted an aesthetic that was what I call light, bright, easy, breezy. Mm -hmm. And I think for the UK, that's going to be quite um, unusual because when I look at the interiors, and there's some beautiful interiors in the UK that we look to for inspiration mm -hmm. for some of our other stores, mm. there is quite a, a distinct bistro feeling. They're quite dark and moody. Mm. There is that aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, ours is completely different. It's, as I said, very light, very bright, very breezy. It's a very simple interior. So we've got this chocolate brown, espresso brown uh, dado that runs along the walls, curved ceilings with a stucco. We've always got an unusual pattern in the floors. I'd say they're quite, they're quite warm. And then we've got an installation that hangs, uh, that hangs on, the, uh, on the ceiling. They transition beautifully from day into night. Mm -hmm. Go for your breakfast and then you can still come for a dinner and it's nice and sexy and moody. Uh, you'll have to come and see. I was, I was just thinking. You will have to Get come and visit. That, yeah. <laughs> For Tasha's, it is quite a simplistic design, but when you start to look around, you'll notice all the all the small details. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them, that's Tasha's. That's How Tasha's. do you, I mean, the, for Georgie and I were having a little flick through yesterday. She was showing me where we were, Dubai restaurants yeah. in particular. And I mean, they are they are stunning. They are so, I work so beautiful. with a very talented team. Mm. Uh, Nadine Buck and Devot Struvach. So the husband and wife, uh, their studio is called Vahal. Mm -hmm. And we have been working together almost since the beginning. Mm. Nadine has designed every, so I think we'll be at 40 restaurants by the end of next year. She didn't design the first three mm. and every one after that she's designed. Mm -hmm. They've got a unique ability to take my idea and turn that into a reality. And then I work closely with them and we have design meetings every week and we'll flip through magazines. I'm still a magazine girl, but they are very, very talented. And what's unique about them is most interior designers 
they've got a certain style mm-hmm. and you'll be able to identify yeah. their style across a number of brands mm-hmm. and across a number of restaurants. I think what Vahal does really well is that they are able to morph and they don't have any particular style. You're not going to recognize it as a Vahal studio design, which I think is more important than being able to be able to recognize the design. So, for example, Bungalow 34, I said to them, I want something nostalgic. I want it to be reminiscent of the Rivieras. It's got to have a little bit of retro cool, but not forced. Mm. You know, like everyone's doing that Aaron Slim design. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what, what they do is that it feels authentic. Mm. And then they go away and they create the magic. They bring it to me. We'll tweak certain things. Mm. And, and how do you come up with the concept? You know, if, if you're, you know, you're looking at a location and you think, right, we're going to open a spot here. Yeah. Is it based on market research? No, is it a feeling so from you? It's all gut. Mm. So we don't do any market research and I never have. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've hardly ever written a business plan. <laughs> if you. I remember walking into my first corporate meeting at Famous Brands and everyone was looking at me. They're like, something must be very wrong with me. You know, I got up off my chair and I still had my apron on. <laughs> Love that. Authentic. I don't, I don't know how to, how to read an income statement or a balance sheet or to do a business plan. Mm. I've, I mean, obviously, I've learned now and, of course. I've, and I've grown. But we've operated the business from gut. If you ask me about concepts, about eight years ago, I said to my team, do not come to me. I'm not creating another concept. But because you can't put attaches everywhere, you're going to oversaturate sure. the market and you're going to destroy the brand. Mm-hmm. We've been offered various locations and based on the location, I'll look at the location and think this could work for mm-hmm. a beach style restaurant. Mm-hmm. Or we were offered the space in Saudi Arabia, two-story building, flamingo room at the bottom. What are we going to do with the top space? It's not going to work as a flamingo room. No one's really done an African concept with small bites in a tented safari-like feel, mm-hmm. nature all around us. There's an amazing precinct. Came up with the African lounge. It all, it's, it's site dependent. What is the thread that might not be apparent to the naked eye? The golden that, thread. Mm, that pulls them all together then, if they're all so unique. Wow. I would say that we make all our food on order. Mm-hmm. So very. I don't know how that's going to work here because I'm told that it's not going to work. What does that mean exactly for those? So there's very little mise en place in our restaurants. Our food's made fresh on order so if you come to tasha's next week which i hope you will and you order ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Fruit salad, we're going to cut your fruit for order. you on order. Mm-hmm. There's no chicken piled up in the background for your chicken salad. Which is really nice to hear. Yeah, because mm. I think, yeah, because of labor, I understand that there's got to be an element of, of mise en place. So that's one of the things. Um, in terms of golden thread of the interiors, there isn't really, because all of the interiors are so different. I think it's just a really quality build. Mm. And then last and finally and most importantly is the way we take care of our staff and the way we look after our people. I mean, I've got some people who've been working for me, even pre-tashers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ladies who's in the bar in Battersea has been with me 
on the day I opened Tasha's. Love that. It was 18 years. Mm. And I'm hoping that the youth here are going to realize that we're an employer of choice, mm -hmm. that we do look after our people, we pay well, mm. we're not sticklers about leave. Mm. You know, we, we, we want to create a sense of community. Um, and I think that's another thing that, that runs through. We've got a, a real sense of hospitality. Mm. I think restaurateurs today, not all, but a lot of people are in the food industry, see it as a means to an end. Mm. It's all about scaling, big numbers. And I think we've lost the essence of what it means to be a restaurateur. Mm. What does it mean? You've got to serve people with hospitality, welcome them into your space as mm. if it's your home. Give them great food. If you've made a mistake, fix it. Mm. Try and make it right. And then give them this beautiful space to sit in. It's not all about the mash rollout and mm. numbers. And and then also not the sense of apathy where sort of slapdash. And I think the food, the, the, the people element mm. is very, very important. It's going to be our biggest challenge. Yeah. Mm. Can we make a good plate of food? Yes, we can. Have we built a beautiful restaurant? I'd like to think so. The people aspect is going to be particularly tough because mm. I do get a sense of a lackluster, sort of defeated attitude within hospitality. And and I'd like to think that when people join us, they can make a career. I mean, mm. I've got a lady called, and I keep using her as, a, as an example, Precious. She started with me as a scullery in South Africa. She's now the general manager of one of the busiest restaurants that I own in okay. Dubai. So I, I would like to try and change the narrative here mm. in the UK around what it means to be employed. Mm in hospitality and what that can mean for you in terms of a career. I hope there's appetite for that because I think there is amongst London anyway, customers. Mm -hmm. Like I think that apathy and that fatigue within hospitality, yes. we, we feel it. You feel it when you go into restaurants. Yes, totally. Like throw the plate of food down. Totally. A total disinterest. Yes, but I think you're right that that comes from the top. I think it comes yeah. from a kind of cynicism that has emerged in in British business kind of as a whole and and... I don't know, exhaustion with it all. I think, yeah. I think you know, some fresh blood from overseas is probably exactly what we need. Let's see, I hope yeah. so. Listen, yeah. we've employed a lot of, 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 of people from the UK mm. because we've wanted to, but also we've got Brexit that we've got to deal with. We can't bring a lot of South Africans. Yeah. And we're going to have to teach that culture and, and that DNA. Mm. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm spending a lot of time here. So mm. I'm going to be here till the 25th, pop over to Saudi for a day or two. Then I come back on the 4th, yeah, till the 11th or 12th. I come back for two weeks in Jan. And then I've got Kyle, who's running that restaurant. And then I've got a lady called Fatima, who worked for me in Dubai for ages. I've got a guy called Alan, mm -hmm. who's also helping run the restaurant. He used to own his own Tasha's in Cape Town. Okay. Oh, wow. And he Great. sold that store to move to the UK, and he's helping us run the restaurant. So we've got our You've got our a team. A loyal, sounds like. We team. do. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they're going to be able to imbue that spirit onto mm. the rest of the... Mm. How actively have you sought to be the kind of leader who garners that kind of loyalty the passion that's so obvious in you that has obviously kept people sticking around has that been a, an active leadership choice or it's come it's naturally just, it's just who you are it has come naturally mm. and I think because it's come naturally it's authentic mm. and that's why people mm. want to work for us it's not like a corporate structure well mm. Let's behave in this way and then we'll get this type of behavior back. No, mm. it's all from the heart. Are there any active leadership choices you have made? Wow, that's a very good question. I have to say no. It's all come naturally. Just who you are. It has mm. just happened organically. I've had to actively make a choice to learn more about structure and the corporate world because I can't be a CEO who's just a creative. Mm -hmm. So I would say maybe that's the main thing is mm. to say, 
I've had to learn how to put process into the business. It's not something that comes naturally to mm -hmm. me. I can put process into a restaurant, mm. but to put process into a business, we've got 40 people working mm -hmm. at head office. And then I think learning to trust those people at head office to be able to make mistakes, that hasn't been an easy one for me, but it's it's something that I, I am working on actively and I've had to work on because mm. people are not going to do it right all the time. No. I think the, the, the last two openings have been a big step forward for me. I would never, ever be sitting here. I have opened a beast of a restaurant. It's 1,500 squares. It's like a membership club mm -hmm. without the membership fee mm -hmm. in Abu Dhabi. And I was there a week before and a week after, which obviously shows that <laughs> Slightly. The, team, the team are doing something very <laughs> yeah. right. You're learning to let yeah, go. I'm learning bit. to let go. Um, can you talk to me about the retail concept that is in? Sure. Tell me how many restaurants is it? So we have four of them mm -hmm. inside our restaurants. Yeah. We have got Collective Africa mm -hmm. in the Flamingo Room and Alna Seam. Yep. That's where it started. We have one in Bangalore 34 mm -hmm. with a different type of offering. One in Saudi, one in Abu Dhabi. We are in partnership with a lady called Nikki Gregg and her husband owns a jewelry store in South Africa called Charles Gregg and they're fifth generation jewelers. And one night in Johannesburg about 10 years ago, he had a space next to his jewelry store and I said, guys, you know what? Why don't you make a really high-end, non-typical African gift store mm -hmm. where we can celebrate Africa in the most stylish way because mm -hmm. we have some beautiful stuff in yeah. South Africa. And it's not the cliched, the masks and the ostrich eggs, the, the stuff that you would normally get. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we, we told around with the idea a little bit and started playing with the space. And I wasn't a partner in that business at all. And I, I helped them get it going. It was mainly all Nikki Gregg, who's mm -hmm. a super talent, who's also our interior stylist. Then Flamingo Room. I got the location for Flamingo Room in Abu Dhabi, in Al Nassim, in uh, Dubai. And we had a space that I didn't want to populate with more restaurant seating. So I called Nikki up and I said, listen, let's open a collective and put it in the space. We, mm -hmm. uh, Flamingo Room celebrates all things beautiful about Africa. And let's let's open collective and that was the beginning of the journey so we now have those four bungalows got a slightly different aesthetic because it's at the beach so we sell swimwear mm -hmm. and more sunglasses and 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 that type of thing and then the others are do a lot of ardmores who are the ceramicists mm -hmm. that have done a full range for Hermes as well we sell donald greg uh, donald greg sculptures jewelry candles africology which is a whole round of beauty products it's from what I've seen. For, yeah. Again, Georgie was showing me all the pictures she took when she was there. It's it's just it's a beautifully curated edit of, is. of lifestyle brands. I saw a little bit of there's Ottomans in there, yes, I think. And you know, like have. the kind of brands that, I mean, it's so Sherlock's, but it's all our favorite things. But a little bit of everything. That kind of retail meets hospitality yes. thing. I mean, I feel like there's a bit of that in Mykonos, but there you is. don't really hear. It's quite unusual for cities. It is unusual for cities, but I think it's a great reprieve and a pause for customers as well. I think so too. I want people to be on their phones all mm. the time. So, you know, if there's an uncomfortable silence on the table, someone can go get mm. up and go and do a <laughs> bit of a shop. A husband wants to spoil his wife. A friend mm. wants to buy someone a gift. It's experiential mm. um, and it's not in your face. So I think that's that's it's not... Uh, force so you either mm. walk through the space and if you want to buy something great or mm. when you're walking out and I think being able to shop and dine is a great thing it's the dream yep <laughs> all the best things in one um talk to me about the food yeah across all of it you talked a little bit about the ethos behind the food yeah. but what do you serve what do you make 
So, different restaurants serve different things. I'm Greek, as I said. Born in South Africa, proudly South African, but obviously my roots are Greek, so we've got our Greek restaurant of Lee. Again, not tip. what we try and do is add a small spin and a twist on it. However, all of our food is very simple. We want the ingredients to shine. It's not overly complicated. Although I love dining at Michelin and I love very fine and elevated dining, it isn't that style of food. It's much more accessible, a lot more relaxed. And then every brand has got its own type of cuisine. So at Bungalow 34, because we're on the beach and there's a bit of that nostalgic Italian Riviera feeling, we've got a lot more pastas. We've just built an, an amazing pizza oven. We've got stunning pizzas that come out of the oven. The Greek restaurant, of course, we've got the Greek food, African lounge now. We've got a guy called Stanley who's from Zimbabwe. I think it's the best food we're putting out at the moment in terms of the concept stores, these African nibbly bits. And then Tasha's is good, classic, cafe-style food. Of course, we've got the main courses in the evening. And the difference that we've put onto this one is we've done small plates. Because what I've noticed here is that a lot of people after work or on their way somewhere who are just going to meet someone for a glass of wine may not want to have a big meal. So we've included some, some of the smaller mm -hmm. plates. But I think intrinsically, it's about the ingredients and then not overcomplicating the dishes. Mm -hmm. And that's our style of food across all of the restaurants. Can you give us a flavor of what's to come at Battersea's particular, just a dish or two that you're excited about? Sure. We've got an unbelievable prawn pasta, mm. which is really delicious. Mm -hmm. In the morning, we do an eggs royale, which is not your typical eggs benedict, so it's a much lighter sauce. We've got our, our famous Texas salad on the menu. We focused, we focused on salads here. Mm -hmm. And everyone said to us that you guys don't like to eat a lot of salads. Oh, how interesting. But I don't think that's going to be true. No, I think it's hard to find. Yeah, maybe it's we're hard not to find I think it's salad. hard to find a good salad. In so London. we have got a big them. focus. We've got five or six really good salads Great. on the I'm menu. Great, I'm excited about that. So yes. I, think, I think you're going to enjoy those. Mm. It's a well-rounded menu. I think there's mm. something for everyone. Our beverage uh, director, Christian, who's charge of all our bars has also done a really well curated cocktail list mm -hmm. so yeah okay i'm excited um i want to ask just a bit more about the career path about work you mentioned you had a mentor who is also a part of a your partner. business yeah, yeah a partner. so i'd say my early mentor was my dad mm -hmm. of course who was an unbelievable restaurateur mm -hmm. he died at the age of 57 sadly mm -hmm. he he's hardly seen what my brother and i have been able to do but certainly his oh margeteri his um, tenacity, never giving up, an unbelievable cook. I, I've got to be honest, I'm a restaurateur. My brother is a better cook than I am. Mm. I'm not a chef. Mm. You know, I'm the conductor of the orchestra, bringing all the elements together. Mm. I have a great palate and I work with the chefs, but I'm not, I'm not a chef per se. My dad was a great chef and I think taught me everything I know about the industry. What my partner, Mike Nunn's been able to do is teach me about business. He's an a maverick in, 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 in the business industry. He knows a lot about uh, the corporate side of the business and I've been able to lean on him a lot throughout my career, mm. even before he became a partner. And he's been an incredible advisor and almost, for now I'm going to cry, Oh, I'm sorry. almost like a stepped in as a father figure. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. What's one piece of advice that you've had either from him or just in general about career that you have kind of always held? So my dad's, piece of advice when he, oh, he walked into the restaurant and he saw me completely flustered and irritated and he said come sit with me what's going on I said I don't know how many times I have to repeat myself he said do you want to do this work so he says I love it he said this is a business of repetition 
And the sooner you accept that and you come to terms with that, the more you're going to enjoy it. You're going to have to repeat yourself. No two days are going to be the same. You're going to have staff coming and going. You have to be able to understand that it is a business of repetition, repeating the standards, repeating them, repeating them, repeating them. And I think what I've learned from Mike is not to let people who are more experienced than you in business try and steamroll you. He's given me a unique skill and confidence to be able to show my grit and my teeth when I've needed to in, in a corporate world full of men mm. and an industry that's mainly male-driven. Mm. That's changing a lot now. There's a lot more females in the F&B, but those are the two things. And then in terms of business advice, are you saying for other people or? I, that was going to be my next question. Okay. So yeah, tell me, what do you, what's the advice you always give people when they ask? Guys, nothing comes easy. If you want to make a success, I mean, unless you're an inventor or you're in tech and you've got, you come up with Instagram as an idea. But even that, I promise it's you, wasn't easy. easy yeah. <laughs> even that wasn't easy mm. for someone to do. The food industry is extremely challenging. You have to be able to pivot, but you also have to be able to accept that it is very, very hard work. But with the hard work comes reward. And my piece of advice to anyone who would want to get involved in the food business is to say, do you have the grit? Do you have the determination? And are you prepared to sacrifice? A lot of it comes with a lot of personal mm. sacrifice. Mm. It's long hours. Mm -hmm. It's uh, not being able to. I mean, my brother's kids are in South Africa and they're growing up so quickly and maybe I see them twice a year. You have to really love what you do. And I think my piece of advice would be accept that you, it's going to be hard work. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of applies for every every industry, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. I, I, I think the difference in hospitality is the number of variables. Yeah, that's fair. The variables that you mm -hmm. have to juggle. Mm. You know, especially in a in a founder's position, someone who wants to open a restaurant mm. from the smallest restaurant down the street to a, a big business like mm. ours, is there's a lot of variables. We don't like to dwell too much on it, but speaking of variables, speaking of hospitality, I have to ask how how you navigated the pandemic. When it happened, I thought, oh my god, all of this hard work, and now we're going to lose everything. Mm. That was my first reaction mm -hmm. on the first day. On the second day, I said, right, we're going to work harder than we've ever worked before to save this business. Mm. I was in the restaurant, packing everything up, switching off all the fridges, going around, talking to the staff, reassuring them that everything was going to be okay. We were lucky that we built up a war chest so we were able to keep all our staff employed. It's amazing. All the execs in the business took major haircuts. In, in fact, I didn't take any salary out of the business. I couldn't. And my brother as well. And then you, we were, you did that in order to keep everyone employed? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then what we did is Dubai opened up and South Africa opened up with the a, with a takeaways. We had never, I never wanted to up until that point put my product mm. in a delivery bag. I mean, and, so many didn't, right? And like, I hadn't. Yeah. But then we had to pivot and I had right. to do it. Coming out of the pandemic, reopening, let's try and simplify the business. And what we learned out of that, a huge lesson out of COVID was we would have an army of staff before. We realized actually we don't need that many people. Mm. So we transferred some people to some of the new openings. Do we need such a big menu? No, we don't. We shrunk the menu. Do we need 10 cakes on the display? No, we don't. We need three. In many ways, it was a good thing. It allowed us to like refocus and streamline the business. Mm -hmm. You know, sophisticated simplicity and just mm. simplify a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we were doing. We survived, and coming out of COVID, we we've just been flourishing. We're mm. very, very, very blessed. I'm extremely grateful. Finally, I can't let you go without asking you. Yeah. I, I can never let a restauranter go without asking where they like to eat, where they like to go. Where, when you're in London, where's on your hit list? Is there somewhere that you always I'm a, go back I'm to? I'm an old fuddy-duddy girl. Tell me. Mm. I love going to Scott. I mean, me too. I love I'm it. I'm with you, yeah. I mean, the food's incredible. Mm -hmm. 
I love the new restaurant that's opened on Mount Street, the mm-hmm. Mount Street restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with the interior. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. I love the food. Mm-hmm. For casual, I like to just pop into Harrods and sit at one of the counters and eat. Listen, I'm a tourist here. Mm. So maybe that'll be too touristy for some other no, people. They've got but, excellent food there. But yeah. they do have excellent food. Mm. I went to Zuma the other night for dinner. It's always a, it's always a good one. Solid, Zuma's yeah. a solid one. Mm-hmm. I respect what they do. They are consistent. They are. Service is always good. Mm-hmm. Food's always good. I think Colbert does a good job mm-hmm. on the corner. Mm-hmm. I think it's very nice. Mm. It's amazing to see that it's a new restaurant, but it feels that it's been there for yeah, forever. It does. I think they've done it very cleverly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice it's list. It's a nice list. Yeah. A little bit of London. Tasha, thank you so much. Thank I assume you. by the time this has gone live, Tasha's in Battersea Power Station will yeah. be open. So, Hope so. No, congratulations. We're on Tuesday. We're okay. going to open slowly, but we're opening. Okay. Yeah. Ex- exactly that. Um, so, huge congratulations. Thank Can't you. wait to see how it does. And thank you very much. I look done. forward to welcoming you. Thank you. Taste some of our food. I'll make your salad. Oh, yeah. Good. Can't wait. Give Excellent. me a good salad any day of the week. Um, Tasha, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. If you have any feedback at all, please do email podcast at shitlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.